John's prologue, which is in John chapter 1. If you were with us last week, you noticed, and I believe you have the same exact thing in your notes this week, yes, uh, you have that little uh, kind of sideways triangle looking thing. And all that is, is walking us through the parallels of the text, and we've been addressing these as we find them um, in their parallels. So we addressed verses 1 and 2 along with verse 18, as well as addressing verse 3 with verse 17. And we will um, pick up this morning starting in verse 4. But what I'd like to do as we, as we begin is just read uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. And we'll continue where we left off last week. Okay, so let's start in verse 1 as we read. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all men might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was, not, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory is the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because He was before me. For from His fullness we have all, re we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known. So, just to review, last week we looked at the fact that Jesus was the Word of God and the Creator of all. That's what we talked about last week. Jesus is the Word of God. Of course, when we talk about the Word of God, it says that He was a person. And remember, it doesn't list the name of Jesus. It doesn't mention the name of Jesus all the way until verse 17, which is pretty amazing. Jesus is the whole point. Not only is He the Word of God, but He is the Creator of all, and all things come into existence through the Word of God. That's important to remember for this morning. All things that are come into existence through the Word of God. Remember we talked about the universe as being spoken by God. God spoke the universe into existence. And you speak using words. And Jesus is the Word of God. And through the Word of God, all things come into existence. There is not anything that comes into existence that did not come into existence through the Word. Anything that was made, all things that were made, came through the one who made them, who is Jesus, the Word of God. Let's look at verse 4. This morning, we focus on the fact that Jesus is the light of men and the glory of God. Jesus is the light of men and the glory of God. Let's look at verse 4. Verses 4 and 5. It says, In him, in the word, that is, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And let's also look at verse 16. And it says, For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The first question I want to ask this morning 
is what is darkness and what is light? Now, that's a pretty, that's a pretty easy question to ask. We all know what darkness is and we know what light is. Um, but in this context, what is darkness and what is light? Because when it says, in him was, was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in darkness, the darkness has not overcome it. In this context, what is light and what is darkness? John 1, 5. Now remember, this is John, same John that wrote the book of John, so he knows what he's talking about. John 1, 5, 1 John 1, 5 says, this is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. God is light and in him there is no darkness. So whatever light is, it is fully God and whatever darkness is, there is none of that in God at all. Okay, so that already makes a distinction. Ephesians 6.12, the words of Paul, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And so what we know about darkness is that it is present. Darkness is a present reality. And we know that the light of the world came into this present darkness. And if there is any light that shines on men, it is only from the word of God. The only light that there is, is God himself. There is no light outside of God. Anything that is outside of God is darkness. It is the power of Satan. Acts 26, 18. It says to open their eyes that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. Those are two parallel statements. I'm going to read that again. They came that they might preach the word to open their eyes that they may turn from darkness to light from the power of Satan to God. Okay, so in this understanding, darkness, the present darkness that is, is due to the power of Satan at work in this current world. That is the darkness. It is the forces that are opposed to God. Now, forces that are opposed to God stand as nothing compared to God. We understand that, right? There are some who believe that there is a good force and there is a bad force and you know, who knows who's going to end, who's going to win in the end. You know, Satan is very powerful. God is very powerful. Yes, but what happens when they fight? Who wins that fight? That, that fight is of no, no comparison. God is infinitely more powerful than Satan and all the present forces of darkness. Darkness is sin and death. Yes, light is righteousness and life. Those are completely opposed to each other. Darkness is sin and death. Light is righteousness and life. Those who are in sin are dead. Those who are in sin are in darkness. Those who are righteous are alive and are in the light. Why? Because your eyes have been opened. Those who are in sin are dead and are in darkness. Why? Well, really simply put, dead people can't see. That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? If you are dead, you're in darkness. Your eyes don't work. And so what do you need? You need life. And then all of a sudden, you're able to open your eyes for the first time. And what do you see? You're able to see for the first time because the light has shone in your life. And where did that light come from? It came from God. God. 
It came from the word of God. There is no other source of light. There is nothing else that can shine a light on your heart other than the word of Jesus Christ. There is nothing. Without Jesus Christ, we are in complete and utter darkness, sin, and therefore death. But if the light of Christ shines on us, we are alive and our eyes are open and we can see and we have life. That's good news. So it says in our text, in him was life and the life was the light of men. When the light of Christ shines on you, you have life. You have been resurrected from the dead. In him was life. Because it is only through his act of creation that anything can come to life. Do you remember that? I said that before. It is only through the word of God that something can be brought into life. God, God brings things into life, and how does he do it? He does, he does it through his word. If we are to be born, that is born again, how are we to be born again? By God speaking. How? Through his word. It is only through the word of God that we can come into life. Is this making sense? It is only through. This is what John wanted us to understand, okay? Uh, if this seems elementary to you, that's okay, because we need to know it because the word of God says it. It is only because of the word of God that we can have life. And it is because he has spoken to awaken us to life. There is no other source of light. There is no other source of life other than Jesus Christ. And it says, and the life was the light of men. We need to remember that first, this is John speaking. Do you remember what event happened to John? John was one of a very select few who got to see something that no one else has really seen yet. Well, no one will see the way they saw it. They saw something that we call the transfiguration. Matthew 17, verses 1 and 2. It says, After six days, Jesus took Peter and James and John, his brother. That is John, who wrote the book of John, who's telling us right now that Jesus is the light of life. They led them, he led them up to a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. Now this is John who, reflecting on this, said, The word of God, he is the light of life, more so than you can imagine. I saw it. I saw it. I saw him actually change before my very eyes. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The light of the gospel will never be extinguished by darkness. Let you know that light, when you think about it, light is active whereas darkness is passive. Right? Darkness can't extinguish light, but light can extinguish darkness. Light is active, but darkness only exists in the absence of light. Therefore, the darkness can't extinguish the light. The darkness has not overcome it. The darkness will not overcome it. The power of Satan will never extinguish the power of the gospel. Ever. It will not happen. We know how the story goes. 
But sometimes it seems as though, let's be honest, sometimes it seems as though that's not the case, doesn't it? Seems as though the light of the gospel is being extinguished. But we know how the story truly goes. And if you believe that the gospel is being extinguished and it may die out, if we're not careful, if we don't keep it lit, you're wrong. We do not keep the gospel lit. It is God and God alone. Now, we can be his instruments, but we can only be a tool in the hand of God to keep the light of the gospel shining, but he is the one who wields the tool, right? We, we don't have the power in ourselves. You can't save someone. You can't grow a church, right? You can't grow your kids into sanctification. You can't do it. I've tried. Believe me, I've tried. I mean, I've tried to do a lot of things. Sometimes I fool myself into thinking that. That's a temptation. But you know, you also can't produce your own salvation. You can't produce your own sanctification. You can't do it. You are not the one that shines the light of the gospel. God is the one that does that. And the darkness will never, ever overcome it. If the gospel is shining in your heart, you, don't you know that the darkness can never override the light of the gospel in your heart? Did you know that? If you have been awoken by the light of Christ, you have been reborn by the Spirit of God, don't you know the darkness will never overcome the light that's shining? Sometimes it seems like it, I know. Sometimes it grows faint and dim, I know. I know very well. But the light of the gospel will never be put out. Not in this world, not in this universe, not in your heart. It will not happen. And from his fullness, we have received grace upon grace. The fullness of what? The fullness of his radiating glory, the glorious light of Christ. From his fullness, we have received from that fullness grace upon grace. It's as if the glory of God in Christ becomes brighter and brighter the more we know him. It's, it's as if the longer we know Christ, the more our eyes are open to see him for what he really is. I hope you've experienced that. The longer the light of the gospel of Christ shines in your heart, the more glorious he seems every day. Imagine the brightest light you can. Christ is brighter than that. Imagine the greatest king worthy of all the splendor and glory. Christ is worth more than that. He takes a detour here for a moment. Just to clarify, look at verse 6 with me. He said, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, pause. He's not talking about himself. Okay? There is no other John referenced in this entire book. Um, but there is someone referenced known as the disciple who Jesus loved. He's referencing himself there. Now, when he says John, he's talking about John the Baptist. Verse 7, he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. Verse 8 
He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. Just to clarify, okay, he, John the Baptist, was not the light. Verse 15, our parallel verse, John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, who comes after me, who ranks before me, because he was before me. Okay, the only two places he talks about John the Baptist here. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. Why did people maybe possibly think John the Baptist was more than who he actually said he was? Well, because for about 400 years, there had been silence from God until John the Baptist came. So wasn't there something special about John? There was indeed something very special about John the Baptist. He spoke from God. No one had done that in a very, very long time. And so when someone came speaking with the authority of God, people thought, oh, the Christ, this is him. But he said, no, I, it's not me. There is someone coming after me who is greater than me. I'm just bearing witness about him and who he is. And then remember, Jesus comes at his baptism. He says, oh, look, there he is. That's the one I was talking about. So John is bringing us back to remembrance of this. Now, there was a man who was great, and indeed he was. But he was not the light of the world. He came to bear witness about the light. Let's not be mistaken. There is only one light. Jesus is the glory of God. Look at verse 9 and verse 14. Verse 9, it says, The true light, that is, John was not the true light, but he is, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world, he was in the world, the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his people did not receive him. Okay, let's stop right there. Let's look at verse 14. It says, And the Word became flesh, dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Okay, let's look at these a little bit. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Now, I had a little bit of a problem with that statement, because think about it with me. The true light, who is the light of the world, truly. Remember, in the beginning, God spoke. And what did he create? Light. Now, it wasn't until later on that the sun and stars and everything was created. Okay? So there was no natural light, but there was the glory. And clearly that's the light because that's how, things, that's, that's how it goes back to later on. And we know that. We know that there's no need for the sun because the glory of, the Christ, of Christ illumines all things. And man, that will be a sight to see. If you think looking at the sun burns your eyes, imagine looking at the Son of God. So it says the light was in the world, the true light that gives light to everyone. Now, how does the light of the world give light to everyone? And what is meant by everyone? All right? There's a couple different ways that we could think about that. First of all, into all individuals. All individuals, whoever were or will be. That's one way to think about that. That he gives light to everyone, even those who do not know him or see him. That's one way to think about it. Now, think for a second, is that compatible with what we know the rest of Scripture? That Jesus gives the light of the gospel of truth and awakens the heart of all people, whether they can see him or not, 
whether they know him or not. Is that, is that true? Is that compatible? No, that's not compatible. That's called universalism. Number two, okay, so what, what does it mean that he gives light to all people or every, uh, to everyone? All types of people, maybe. People of all classes and races, those who are rich and those who are poor, those who are black, those who are white, those who are from any nationality. All people of all types. Well, it's possible. I think more specifically what it means is all people who receive the light receive the light only from Christ. John 8, 12, Jesus tells us, again, Jesus spoke to them and saying, I am the light of the world. Okay, good. There's a parallel here about Jesus being the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but they will have the light of life. So who is it who receives the light of life? The light that's shining on everyone. Who's the everyone? All those who follow Christ. Those are the ones who have the light of Christ shining in their hearts. All who follow Christ have the light of life. If you do not follow Christ, you do not have the light of life, but you walk in darkness. Okay? The only way to walk in the light is to have Jesus Christ and to follow him. We have seen his glory. Now that, that's, that's in verse 14. It says, we have seen his glory. Glory is the only son of the Father. We go back to John chapter, uh, John chapter 2, of course, in the story here. Jesus' first sign, it says, John 2.11, this is the first of his signs that he did at Cana in Galilee, and he manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Now think about that for a second. Now remember, Jesus was about 30 years old or so um, when, when, uh, when his ministry started. And uh, remember, he was only doing, his ministry only lasted about three years, which is an incredibly short ministry. Um, but it was enough, wasn't it? It was exactly enough. Uh, it said that when he did this uh, miracle there, and we remember this is the miracle at, at the wedding feast, and and they were having a big party, and they ran out of wine, and Jesus made more for the party. Um, this was the first sign he did to show the radiance of his glory to the world. This is when he first manifested his glory. That is, the world started to see that the light of the world had come to the world, and he was now shining his glorious presence among them. But did everyone see it? Everyone didn't see it. Can you imagine some great miraculous event and thinking, uh, I don't, you know, that doesn't really do anything for me. Good trick, you know, good trick. They were already full of wine. See, we didn't know that. They've been spending all this time doing that so he could, you know, fool us or something. Or they just... You, something ever happened and it just never even registers in your brain that something just happened until someone draws your attention to it and say, did you see what just happened? Well, no, I was looking at it, but I didn't see what happened. Likewise, when there was the feeding of the 5,000, the majority of the people's hearts were kept from seeing that this was a miracle. The very presence of the glory of the Son of God was among them, shining but they didn't see it. Why? Because they were dead 
and dead people can't see. Don't you see? If you're alive, can you see what I'm saying? If you're dead, you probably don't because you can't see. You don't get it. If you don't get what I'm saying, that might be an indicator to you that you're in the darkness. Because if you're in the light, you get it. Because what I'm saying is pretty plain because it happened to you. Matthew 17, 5. While he was still speaking, behold, a, uh, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out from the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Why? Because well, he's the Word of God. If you're going to listen to anybody's words, you probably ought to listen to the Word of God. Listen to him. That was at the transfiguration. Now it says, we have seen his glory. Who's we? Anyone who follows Christ. Anyone who has been awakened by the light of life. Sees him. Sees his glory. And again, his glory is changing, isn't it, to us? Not that his glory is different. He is forever, eternally glorious and infinitely glorious. But the way that we perceive it changes over time. And I hope that for you, the glory of God is ever increasing. The way that you see the glory of God is ever increasing in your life. I truly hope for you that you wake up tomorrow seeing Christ as more glorious than you saw him today. He is full of grace and truth. Do you remember Romans 5, 20? Now the law came in to increase trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Jesus is the fullness of grace and truth. Jesus is the fullness of grace and truth. Is there any grace apart from Jesus? Well, yes, but is there fullness of grace? No. Is there any truth outside of Jesus? Well, yes, in a sense, but is it a fullness of truth? Well, no, it's not. Jesus is the fullness of grace and truth. One of the things I really want you to see today is this, is that the deeper we understand our offenses to be before a holy God, the more we will rejoice in the glory of Christ. The deeper you see your offenses to God, the, the more you understand how much you have truly offended God, the greater your heart will increase in the joy and glory of Jesus. The worse you see yourself, the greater you will see Him. They're linked. If I see myself as worse, I, it's because I see Him better. Why? Because why, why do I see Him better if I see myself worse? It's because I need more grace from Him. And that makes Him more glorious. I come to understand how much grace He has actually given me. I come to understand how much mercy He has actually given me when I understand how truly bad off I actually am. You will not see Christ as more glorious if you continue to see yourself as more glorious. You need to push yourself down so that he might increase. And in fact, John the Baptist said that only relating to something else a little different. He must increase, but I must decrease. I'm going away, but he is rising up. The same thing has to happen in our hearts. I must be pushed down so that he might be raised up. Has to happen. This is true of us, Ephesians 5, 8 through 14. For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are in the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, 
For the fruit of light is found that all that is good, right, and true. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. How, is, how are the things in darkness exposed? By light. Well, where does the light come from? It comes from the one who is full of grace and truth and who is the word of God. You want to shine a light on something that is wrong, use the word of God. Here it is. How do we expose error, darkness? Again, by shining a light on it. Where does it come from? It comes from the very word of God that we have delivered to us. Where there are sins, there is grace. And again, the more we realize the depths of our darkness, the more we will rejoice in how brilliant his light is. And so understanding this, we move to John's climax. Okay, so we've been tracing this thing and we've come to a point here. And now where he's come from both ends, he's now come to his main point. And what is his main point? His main point is this. Only the word of God can shine a light on the hearts of men and make them a new creation. Only the word of God can shine the glorious light of God on the hearts of men and make them a new creation. Look at verses 11 through 13. It says, He came to his own and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, um, who did, uh, excuse me, he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him and who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Okay? It says his own people did not receive him. He came to his own. Who were his own? Well, of course, the Israelites were his own. He came to his own people, but his own people did not receive him. But instead, his own people said, crucify him. Not really what we would have expected. Isaiah 1, 2, and 3. We remember what it says. The ox knows its owner, the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. They can't see Jesus for who he is. And so what does that mean? They're walking in darkness. They can't see him. The light of the gospel is not shown on their hearts. Now, of course, we don't take them collectively as a whole. But for anyone in Israel who did not understand Jesus as the light is because they were in darkness. It says, He came to His own, His own people did not receive Him, but to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. How does a person become a child of God? By believing in Jesus Christ, His Son, and we are adopted as children by faith. That's, that's the full answer. It's pretty simple. Only by faith in Jesus Christ, the word of God, the light of the world. If you want to be brought from death to life, from darkness to light, you need to believe in the one who is true and the one who is the light. And it says, how does that process work exactly? You were born, and when you believed on Christ, you were born. But you were not born of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. You were not born of the will of the flesh, nor of blood, or of the will of man, but of God. A great text to look at is 1 Peter 1.23. It says, Since you have been born again, 
not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Is that word right there, word, is that, is that a coincidence that we are born by the word? How do things come into existence? By the word of God. So how is it that we were born again? By the word of God, because that's how creation comes, right? We are born by the word of God. We must know that Jesus is the word of God because it's the only word that brings about a new creation. So if we were reborn, if we become a new creation, it can only happen through God's word. But the question is, how is a person born again exactly? And how does that happen? Now, when we talk about being born, of course, we have to understand we're not talking about a new physical birth. You're not reborn physically, but you are reborn spiritually. And why do you need to be born? Because you're dead. And you can't see. Because dead people can't think or see or breathe. So we need to be born. How does it happen? Well, he tells us. He said, it is not of blood or of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. What do those statements mean? First, it is not your blood that makes you a new creation. That is the blood running through your veins. I want to remind you of a passage from Romans 9. This is verses 1 through 8. He talks about this. He says, I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bears witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I wish that I myself were accursed uh, and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, the promises. To them belong the patriarchs from their race, according to their flesh is Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. But it is not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. Not all the children of Abraham, because they are his offspring, Though, but through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise. They are counted as offspring. Okay, so... It's not saying that just because you were born of a certain people and you have the certain blood in your veins, you were born and you were born as a child of God. See, that's not how it works. Just because you were born into a Christian family does not make you a Christian. Just because you were born in a Christian nation doesn't make you a Christian. I think some, some people get confused by that. Again, some, you take a survey. What religion are you? I guess Christian, if I'm anything. That doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a true Christian is one who has been born again of the Spirit. It has nothing to do with your blood. Nothing. It has nothing to do with your blood. You know what else it has nothing to do with? It has nothing to do with your will. Nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. Nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. John makes a similar statement in John 6, 63. It says, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Want to be born again? Can you work hard enough for it? Can you put energy into it and make yourself born again? No. Why? Because you're dead. 
That's a really simple answer. You are dead. You can't create yourself. You're dead. So you need to be brought to life by the Spirit of God. Romans 9, 15 and 16. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it, that is the compassion and mercy of God, it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. You want God to show mercy and compassion on you in salvation? Can you will it into existence? Can you force it to happen? Can you get on God's good side? Can you do enough religious acts? No. Because it doesn't depend on that. The compassion and mercy of God doesn't depend on you and your efforts. Thank goodness. Because I couldn't have produced enough good efforts for God to look at me and say, Wow, you know, I was wondering about you, but you did that today. You know what? Okay. That put, I'm going to have compassion. That's it. I've never done one good thing left to my own, and you know what? Neither have you. Thank goodness that the compassion and mercy of God does not depend on your efforts, but it depends on God who has mercy. We were born not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. I want to end in a passage here, and I want you to actually turn to this one with me. It's just two verses. But it helps us to see the real climax here of what John is going to go into several chapters talking about. By the way, do you remember the point of the book of John? I have a slide for that. Will you show, show that? The main point of the book of John, look at this. It's coming. Any second. It, it's going to be on the screen. I can feel it. There it is. All right. The main point. Let, let's just remember, this is not where we're going. We're going to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. But um, what is the main point out of John's own mouth? Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, manifestations of his glory to show that he is the light of the world, the Son of God, which are not written in this book. But these are written, this account is written, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Don't you see that's the whole point? The whole point is that you might have life. And how do you have life? By the light of Christ shining in life. He is the light of life. You can only have the light of life if you believe on Jesus Christ. So the whole point is that you might know who he is so that you might believe in him so that you might have life. That's it so that you might have life. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. It says, For God who said... Now, just go back to when God said it. Let light shine out of darkness. Who was that? Jesus. He has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this great treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. What an unbelievable statement. The light that brought all things into existence, 
that word, that glory was spoken into our hearts. And when that word was spoken into our heart, a light clicked on and we were born of the Spirit of God. And it is only in the face of Jesus Christ. And isn't it unbelievable that this great thing has happened to us and we are the jars of clay. My jar is cracked and broken and I feel like it could shatter at any second. But the more cracks I get in my jar, the more my life displays the power of God and not the power of me. It is not me. It is not my efforts that is glorious. It is not you. It is not your efforts that are glorious. It is the power of God and the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ that is glorious. That is what is glorious. Not you, him. And most of all, don't we want to see Christ shining through rather than us shining through. Can you imagine for a second a great glorious light inside of a clay jar? And that light would shine up through the opening up the top, right? Are you imagining that? Now imagine if there were holes and cracks in the jar. What would you see every time there was a hole and a crack? You would see the light shining through the jar. This is us. We are broken vessels, and every time we break a little more, the glory of Christ shines through because He is our life. He is our everything. You know, uh, I, I prayed when we were going through the book of Hebrews. We were talking about the discipline of the Lord. I don't know if you remember this or not. We were talking about the Lord's discipline and about how the discipline of the Lord brings about uh, our sanctification, and He does it because He loves us and He is gracious to us. I prayed that the Lord would bring about the discipline we need to display His glory. Over probably the past six or seven months, maybe six months, I will tell you, I have heard more stories of brokenness in this church than I have heard in a very long time. I think maybe everyone in this room has their own story of brokenness over the past six months. Some of them very deep. Do you see this is the grace of God? You hurting? You feel like things are broken? Feel like you're in a bad place? Feel like you've been taken low? He's breaking your jar. Can't you see it? He wants to be made known in your life. And He's being gracious to you when He breaks you down. You are not the most glorious one He is. And thank goodness that He reminds us of that by bringing brokenness into our lives. Because when we are broken, we come to see that the power doesn't belong to us, it belongs to Him. He is the glorious one, not us. And so we pray that with our lives, that we might let the light of Christ shine through our lives in every moment. So we need to take advantage of that. You feel broken? Let the light of Christ shine out from it. Don't try to cover the hole up. 
let the light of Christ shine. And so I'm going to end just with these two things. If you are a believer this morning, I think you understand the application here. The light of Christ in your heart will never be extinguished. And the more you become broken in life, the more opportunity there is for the light of Christ to shine through your life. So it shows that compassion and mercy is not brought about by you. It's brought about by Christ. When we go through hard times in life, he is being gracious to you. The light of Christ will never be extinguished no matter how hard of a moment you ever go through. Some of those moments are going to break your heart. They will take you deep into a dark place. But remember, in the darkest of places, the light of Christ is still shining. And in fact, when you come out, the light of Christ will be shining even brighter. For those of you who this message has seemed foreign this morning, it's because the light of Christ has not been shining in your heart. You can't see and you can't hear. Or maybe in hearing, you don't understand. The only way to have the light of Christ in your life is by faith in him. At the moment of faith, you will have the light of Christ shining in your life. At the moment of the light of Christ shining in your life, you will have faith. Pray. The scriptures tell us to repent and believe. Repent of your sins today because you're not perfect. Admit that to the Lord. Repent. Turn your back on him. Have faith in Christ that he is your justification. What must you do? Repent and believe. It's very simple. Repent and believe and the light of Christ will shine on your heart.